Hey, and welcome back to A Witch Alone's podcast. I'm your hostess, Danielle, and we'll be continuing the mini-series on diving into basic practice techniques. Today we're going to be discussing raising the cone of power and casting circles. Now, something to remember about these techniques is that they are more specific to a witchcraft genre of practice. So if you are practicing or interested in druidry, hoodoo, or anything more specific, these basic practices may not suit you or vibe with your path. That's okay. I wish I knew a little more about every practice, but since the podcast is called A Witch Alone, it's pretty straightforward that it would be specific to witchcraft. Now let's go. First of all, what are the circle and the cone of power? These are energy fields that you will raise in order to protect yourself when performing spells, rituals, or communicating deeply with the spirit world. When you're performing spells, you're opening yourself up to the universe in order to manifest a certain result. Without the proper protection, you could accidentally let something get a little too close to you. I'm not talking about being possessed by a malevolent spirit, but if something with less than decent intentions gets in the way of your spell work, there may be unexpected consequences, including this thing attaching itself to you and causing mischief wherever you go. But wait, how will a beginner such as myself perform such a task adequately enough to protect myself? Well, that's why I'm here. I've discovered in my own experiences ways to assist with the visualization and implementation of your protective circle or cone of power. First, you need to decide which method you want to use. The circle is just that, a circle that starts at your middle and expands to encompass you in a giant sphere. At least that's how I envision it. And the cone of power is an upside down cone with the flat part being on the floor and the tip residing above your head. And they each have different uses. Yes, they both protect you, which is your main focus during this episode. But some may argue that the cone is more effective when it comes to spell casting specifically. The point there is that above you is commonly seen as a way to help direct your spell or energy, therefore aiding in the speed, accuracy, or success rate of your spell. I personally don't see the cone that way, so I stick with my spherical protection ball, but that's just me. One of the ways I found it easiest to begin envisioning my circle of protection was by using props. These can also add to your cone or circles of power depending on what you choose to use. If you just want something that will help you focus on the shape you've chosen, use physical props. Grab a scarf or a rope or something that you can put around your working area in a circle. Whether you choose the circle or the cone of power, this avenue will work for you because they both start with a circle. If you have hardwood floors where you are going to be working or a really good vacuum, you can also use salt to draw the circle on the floor. The salt will give you a little bit of extra protection because of its magical properties. If you want something more witchy, feel free to use candles or crystals to outline your circle. But please, for the love of the moon, do it safely. Don't have candles on the floor and then choose to practice in a long billowing dress or cloak because that is just an accident waiting to happen. And make sure to always put your candles in proper fireproof containers. Whatever method you choose, if you do choose to add physical props when you are setting them up, try and visualize the energy link between them already entwining together to give you the base of what you will be visualizing. When you're ready, you can either close your eyes or keep them open, grab your athame if you have one, Um, you can also use your wand or simply your pointer finger, whatever energy director suits you best, and let's get started. As most rituals and procedures in witchcraft, 
begin, you're going to start in the north. We aren't calling in the elements yet, we're simply using north as a directional starting point. Spread your toes and your feet, and feel the solidity underneath you, the physical ground that you stand on. Whether it is a concrete floor, a carpet, the grass, whether you are outside or inside. Now try and picture roots of energy sprouting from your feet and digging into the ground underneath you, gripping on and keeping you strong and tall. We're grounding to keep our energy and ourselves present during our working. This is very important when doing energy work. You don't want any excess or wavy energy to interfere with your intentions. Next, you're going to draw the first circle. Lift your arms up so that they are perpendicular to your body with your tool pointing toward the north, straight out away from you at chest height. Picture your energy as a white light coming through you to the tip of your tool, whether that is your athame or your wand or your finger. I always picture it like the white wisps of the Patronus charm from Harry Potter. This light is going to extend a few inches from the tip of your tool and hover. You're then going to spin slowly, drawing a circle with this energy in a clockwise motion through the directions, east, south, west, until you come back to standing north. If you could see it, and maybe you can, it would look like a giant hula hoop hovering around you at chest level. Now this is where you need to decide if you want the sphere or you want the cone. If you want the sphere, picture this hula hoop of energy expanding both upward and downward, essentially to give you a giant bubble of protective energy. Let the bubble expand to your work area or until the circle you originally drew in energy rests on the floor. And from here you are protected from all 360 degrees underneath you, above you, behind you, beside you, all that. If you'd rather envision a cone, instead of the energy circle expanding into the sphere, let it come to rest at your feet. When it touches the floor, the circle will expand to create a floor underneath you, kind of like a carpet of protection. The edge of the circle this time will come up into a point above you, giving you your cone of protection and power. The benefit, as mentioned before, can be that when you're releasing your spell or ritual inside your cone, you can envision your energy or intention floating up and being directed out of the top of the cone and up into the universe. So go on to your ritual or your spell or your working or talking to your ancestors or whatever. And when you're done, you have to take down the barrier. Essentially what you're going to do is you're going to take all the steps previously mentioned and do them backwards. If you're using the cone, picture the energy falling down and settling at the circle on the ground around you, then the energy floor being wicked away back to the edges. If you chose the sphere, picture it shrinking and rising, with the top and bottom parts of the sphere receding back into the circle you originally drew. The circle, no matter which option you chose, will then reside once again at chest level. Hold your tool or your hands straight out from your body and start in the north. This time you're going to go counterclockwise through the elements. North, west, south, east, and back to stop at north. While you make your way back through the directions, envision the energy receding back into your tool and into your body. Feel the ground securely beneath you and send out any of the energy excess back into the ground through those roots that you laid first. And there you go. You've cast your circle or your cone of power, protected yourself and your workings, and then taken it down again. But wait, what happens if when you're in the protective barrier, 
you forgot a tool necessary to your work because we aren't perfect and sometimes we forget stuff or suddenly really have to be. You don't want to break the barrier because that sort of defeats the entire purpose of it. You don't want to take it down because you're not done yet. Well, how else do you get from room to room? You go through a door. Now, making a door and interrupting your work doesn't really sound ideal because once you're in the groove, it can really throw you off to suddenly have to go through this ordeal because frick, I forgot my mugwort. I've been there. It's disappointing to say the least, but you don't want to half-ass your spell, especially if you put a lot of thought and energy into the planning. Unless you know something off the top of your head and you can use it as a replacement for your missing item and you're okay with that, you'll need to create a door to go get it or a window. If you're using physical props to help you with the barrier, then making a door is extra easy for you. Say you're using the salt. Simply move some out of the way, step outside, and then put it back. This is important. Do not just leave the door open because you're only going to be a few moments. It's not like you're just running to your car because you forgot your phone and don't have to worry about someone sneaking into your house with the front door open. When you return, simply open the door again, step through, and seal it behind you. If you're not using props and need to visualize, my preferred method is to actually envision a very dense curtain. I part the energy curtain, step through, and it immediately closes behind me to reform the impenetrable sphere. If you're concerned that your visualization techniques won't be strong enough to close the curtain securely, then take your wand or your athame or your hand and trace a door large enough for you to comfortably step through. Reach for your door's handle and push it open. Close it behind you, go and retrieve what you forgot, and return opening the door the same way, but you're going to pull it out this time, stepping back in inside your barrier and then closing it. Retrace the door once you're back inside in the opposite way to seal your barrier back up completely. All of these techniques can also be done to create a small window. I would usually use a window because before I was practicing and I had all of my supplies in a dresser and my working altar was beside it. So if I forgot something, I made a window at the height of the drawer I needed, grabbed the item, never had to actually leave my circle. If you don't ever want to worry about making doors or windows, I suggest investing in one of those craft towers with the multiple drawers. I have all of my supplies in there and it lives under my altar, so I always have everything I need just in case I forget. As always, feel free to change or modify anything of this casting your circle or raising your cone of power. Um, obviously, it needs to be specific to you and what you feel will be the most helpful. Um, but I hope that it's given you kind of a good idea on how to ground as well, how to raise your protective barrier so that you can feel as safe as possible when you're performing any kind of your working. Unfortunately, that is the end of this episode. I hope you feel a little more confident in your protective barrier making skills. Make sure to subscribe for new episodes and updates and leave a review if you can. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and newly to YouTube with subtitles for the hearing impaired. All of the links, the podcast episode list, and upcoming episode release dates are on my website at awitchaloneshop.com. If you're on Instagram or Twitter, swing by my page under the same handle, A Witch Alone. And if you follow, make sure you say hi. I love meeting new followers. Next time, we will be continuing with basic practice tips with the episode Calling in the Quarters. Until next time, blessings.